Welcome to NSCA's Coaching Podcast, episode 53. I'm a land guy, so I had to get in the pool and almost learn how, basically learn how to swim to help communicate and get these these swimmers in the right position for all these different movements and lifts. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. I'm Scott Caulfield. Today, from chilly and snowy Indianapolis here, the 2019 Coaches Conference with my friend Tex McQuilkin, Director of Training and Education, Power Athlete out of Austin, Texas. Tex, welcome to the show, man. Excited. Excited leading off. They're getting set up all around us, man. So this would be great. Yeah. Great episode. Literally first people in the exhibit hall here today. So if you hear... uh, beeping or any bangs in the background, it's just forklifts being driven around us, but we're safe here they in the end. just uh, turned the lights on. I thought we were going to have a nice little <laughs> yeah, set the mood we were, podcast. Yeah, I'd asked them to set the mood for us, but they kind of, I guess they're trying to get their day started. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, tell us, for people who have been, uh, you know, under rock and aren't familiar with what Power Athlete does, tell me a little bit about what the, you know, you guys do overall and, you know, specifically what your position is about. Power we're a worldwide strength conditioning organization, and our focus is empowering your performance and unlocking athletic potential. So we do that in many different ways. One's online programming. Most of our clients, they're ex-college athletes. They know how to lift weights, but they just want to be told what to do. So we got, through Train Heroic, delivered program for six different training goals, just reverse engineer for what guys want. Jack Street, one of our most popular ones. We got Field Strong, which more you know sprint speed change of direction for those old ex-athletes and then some some intro like I, I sold my sister on one of them we got one called lean enable it's basically not a barbell but some resistance training pick up the dumbbells some kettlebells that uh, I gifted her so just get people moving well based off our principles through training we also do nutrition and then my pillar in the business is education nice. so I have a had amazing mentors, teachers in my strength and conditioning journey. So I try to take those lessons, synthesize them, and put them in a a package that is digestible for young coaches to then apply. Because I know the gym owner, the the intern, you can't necessarily go and have all these different experiences like the internship if you're a gym owner, or go and work for a, have a client for four years when I'm there for eight weeks as an intern. Right. So what lessons can we accelerate the education process for these people so they can get the benefit but still be in a position to empower whoever they're working with at their moment in time. So education, nice. that's our podcast, our articles that we put out, and then our online methodology course. Yeah, and that's new. Uh, online methodology course, maybe a year or two years now. Let's see, June 2016. Yeah, so yeah. coming up on three, and uh, that is uh, an SCA CEU approved, 1. right? 1.5. 1.5, outstanding. So uh, there's online course, and there's also an in-person part of that, or that's a separate? That, that's a test. So okay. the, the course is in place, and we have a lot of fathers in there that would just want to learn how to protect their kids from their sport coaches, as well as how they can teach their kids how to lift weights. Cool. So that's a lot of our clientele demographic but then we also have the professional and those that are interested in in getting some feedback on their their coaching technique we have them out to austin for a weekend to just have an experience we have a keynote speaker so each weekend 
So we do it quarterly, four times a year. They get their own keynote speaker to nice. learn experience. And then Saturday, we put them to the test, literally. So there's practical coaching tests and comprehension. And then we have what we call a field strong test. Where nice. We just put them in uncomfortable situations and try to develop a team and build some character and find out who people are and, you know, call them out for any nonsense or any, <laughs> like, you know, I don't want to curse here, yeah. but any, you know, <laughs> bull honky that they're trying to put on a face. And we're like, no, yeah. let's be real. Yeah. Like, we're trying to make you better. And the only way to do that is, you know, shake them a little bit, make them lift something heavy and yeah, I've seen it. where they uh, fail. It involves some sort of uh, flipper type uh, up a hill, I think, and if I recall. Yeah, <laughs> Wellborn, his, his latest skill and endeavor and really hobby is welding. Okay. So he welded himself like a giant, like we're calling it a bore. Yeah. But uh, just loaded tire, basically. Imagine nice, that. nice. <laughs> That's great. Um, and how many uh, people do you have through that program now? 75. Cool. Well, 75 through that test, we're just calling a block one. Yep. John Welchew, yep. a block. Nice. It's, I've seen those. Those yeah, are super pretty, cool. Yeah. yeah, he's getting good. Yeah, he's getting good. Great. First class versus, uh, we got our, seven, our sevens coming up. So hopefully break 100 in the next next few months. Awesome. That's good stuff. Yeah, man, I like following you guys, and I like the stuff you guys are doing. So keep up the good work. Um, definitely want to talk because you've got an interesting path, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, you've, you've done a little bit of everything, and uh, I think, you know, let's, let's kind of go back to how it all started. And, you know, coming from being an athlete and getting into coaching, talk a little bit about where you initially realized strength and conditioning was going to be a possibility. Uh, I always grew up in Katy, Texas. Football is life. It, it was an amazing experience. We lifted. I started lifting weights in sixth grade, and but we didn't know what the hell was going on. I didn't know what I was doing just because I assumed activity was achievement. Kind of going to a John Wooden quote, but it, I was way off. So I had, um, had a lot of questions, weightlifting, but no sport coach was able to, to answer those, the old ball coach. And then I get the opportunity to go play lacrosse in Division Three Marymount University in Arlington, Virginia. And all, my assumption, because all my boys would go play football, was you get a weight room, you get a strength coach, you get all that in college sports. And I walk into a fitness center at my college, and I'm like, uh, this won't do. Because the only way I was going to compete, like lacrosse player from Texas 15 years ago, that's an anomaly. Yeah. So yeah. it was basically football with a stick for me. Now right. sports growing, which, which is amazing, but... Uh, walk into a fitness center I have to convince the assistant coach to go find a squat rack so he was part-time high school coach part-time college coach gets a squat rack donated from his high school so I have something to to train on again was just now stealing workouts that Mad Dog was putting out for my buddies who were playing at UT this is the 2005 national championship yep. team program yep. and he got some division 3 genetic trash can playing <laughs> Uh, trying to do all these lifts and yeah. thankfully I didn't get hurt right. and thankfully any of the kids that were forced to work with me didn't get hurt <laughs> and uh, like true lacrosse players ever since the word they didn't grow up playing football or training or lifting weights so this was all brand new to them and I was that was my first like biggest coaching experience yeah and started four years had some fun and I guess earn the respect of my sport coaches enough where they asked me to be a grad assistant on the team that I just finished okay. playing with. Nice. So I go in and I still, I was 
recruiting guys that had an intuition and a feel for the sport that I still had not developed. I've only been playing yeah. six years, yeah. including my college career. So I had to find a way to make an impact with the team, stick with what I love was with lifting weights and, and sprinting as fast as you freaking can. Yeah. I just didn't know how to really teach that. Yeah. So my first session as the I guess assistant coach and director of training at Marymount. I just made up a title. They yeah. a strength coach. And I, we didn't have a weight room. We needed over it, overhead strength. So I'm thinking, all right, we got our, our wall, and our like lacrosse wall in the backfield where we play catch with. So I asked our team to kick up into a handstand to just, we're going to hold that as long as we can. And these were my friends, they were my former teammates, but now they were my athletes and a senior on the team. I asked him to kick up into a handstand and he tears his rotator cuff. Wow. Goes down. This is September 2009. So I took away his last opportunity to play the sport that he loved. This was my friend, he was my athlete, and I took away his performance, his opportunity to play, and I took, it was, I took that with a heavy heart. Like I ruined this kid's life basically but now we're cool like alumni weekends but (laughs) i needed to find a teacher a coach somebody to actually show me what to do yeah so i got on the internet and found john wellborn and rafael ruiz and they had a weekend seminar in december 2009 it was september so i took my last dollars in grad school wasn't a lot flew out to california and had my first exposure to strength and conditioning like coaching yeah real not just stealing programs and yeah. so that it was actually an investment in my education so I spent two days with those guys completely blew my mind and I took everything that I learned back to my division three team so I had three years to apply it I had full investment from the sport coach because he didn't know he said, yeah, yeah go do whatever you want we want to win and I took you know broke a few omelets to learn how to coach nice with, uh, with some, some athletes. And at that moment, I realized, uh, you know, I finally got a feel for coaching and teaching movement. I need to up the ante. I'm a competitive person, so Division III wasn't, it wasn't good enough for at least that team. I'd been with them for eight years and needed more. So I hit up Mike Hill at Georgetown University, and I wanted to just volunteer. But fortunately, they had the part-time like the number four, the part-time coach position open and just kind of linked and worked out. So Mike, yeah. Mike put me on. I got to work with women's crew, assist with men's women's lacrosse. And that was a, a great learning experience because I'm not a water guy. Right. But I got to take on the, the crew team and I had to actually look at the sport, identify the what the sport needed, right. the girls and the guys, and then look at the athletes. Yeah, Like I can read all these books, see right. all this, oh, they need this and that, or the coach wants this or that, but then I have these athletes. Yeah. Georgetown's unique that uh, I guess part of their recruiting to field that big crew team is just finding tall girls on campus. Right, right. So no weightlifting experience, they're coming in. So I, my goal was just to make them better athletes so take crew team make them better athletes and coach was all in on that so i got to experiment more with uh, not just applying everything i knew trying to learn new things and really you know fortunately get creative nothing crazy but just how i would communicate to these girls that you know didn't have the best coordination yeah and getting buy-in finding different ways to break down movement put them in good positions to learn how to move yeah um so few years there how Georgetown works a long journey 
how make a long story longer, but how Georgetown <laughs> works, commuter schools, so summers are not as invested in the strength and conditioning, so they didn't necessarily need my help, so I wanted to expand my experience. So again, use my buddies that play football at Texas to connect with Donnie Mabe, and 27 years at this point, years old at this point, and hit him up about an internship just for the summer, and he uh, he's like, are she gonna do this? And fortunately, he accepted me and took me on there. So it was a great, great learning experience to work with just a different level of athlete. And that was amazing because you had these, uh, I guess, broke it down into three levels. You had the walk-ons that you told them to do anything. They would run through the freaking wall and they'd say, all right, how many times? And then you had the, the level of athlete where they believed every single rep was going to lead to a national championship. Amazing. <laughs> And then you had the guys that had that amazing ability naturally, but nah, right. not cool. Yeah. So you had this program that all three of these different levels of motivated athlete had to adhere to. So, okay, how is this freaking 5'7 white kid going to connect <laughs> right. with all these players to get them invested in this program? So that was an amazing learning experience and great athletes to, to kind of you know, find now the communication level because I felt confident in my coaching and communication ability, but the, the motivation, that was one of my biggest takeaways there, working with Mad Dog and Benny Wiley. Nice. And from there, back to Georgetown, and then the next break, I went to down to Tampa Bay, Florida, work one-on-one with Rafael Ruiz, so who I've met in 2009. And at this point in his career, he's working with some heavyweight boxers as well as USA Swim, so Team Elite. So I got to work with heavyweight boxers. Again, freaking 5'7 kid next to Antonio Tarver. So those, those of you who don't know, he was Mason the Line Dixon in Rocky Six. Nice. That's Antonio Tarver, <laughs> wow. heavyweight champion. So working with him, and then the next, you know, you turn around, and then you got to correct these swimmers. So how do you start to see movement and coaching and then direct it specifically towards their sport and how they can see it and feel it. And again, I'm not a swimmer, I'm a land guy, so I had to get in the pool and almost learn how, basically learn how to swim to help communicate and get these these swimmers in the right position for all yeah. these different movements and lifts. So that was cool. And then after that, I took a opportunity at St. Albans School in Washington, D.C., a prep school, private school, for a couple years as a uh, power athlete was growing. This, again, teaching power athlete clinics, that uh, clinic that I went to the weekend in summer of 2009, I maintained my relationship with John and was able to teach, work for him and teach alongside him all these weekends that afforded me all these low-paying coaching opportunities. I just wanted it to be the best. Um, so St. Albans, that was cool. I, again, got autonomy, got to do whatever I wanted with the athletes and uh, rearrange their weight room, had them throw out some old machines. I just wanted space because we wanted to teach them how to move versus just, you know, focus on a muscle group. No, we, they needed coordination. Yeah. They needed to put on some size, some a meat suit to compete. Right. It's a very competitive conference. Landed yeah. High School up there, so uh, Episcopal, any of y'all in the, the Mid-Atlantic, you know all these schools, and they needed to compete with them in the field of sports. So that, that was a great experience, two years. Uh, again, small town kid going to work with uh, some private school kids. That was a little bit of a learning curve. Again, the motivation, 
how do you teach adversity and things like that. So it was it was fun in that. And uh, after that opportunity, we grew Power Athlete to the point where I was full-time and then got, again, autonomy to create the education journey to deliver it to the coaches out there and then see how far we can push this information, push the methodology, push the field. That's that's the objective now. We were holder, hoarding this information like uh, we wouldn't be able to push it. If we were only teaching in a two-day clinic, then I can't think about all the details and the information. It was like drinking from a water hose. Right. Now we just have people digest it at their own pace and then we have conversations about it. That's awesome. Yeah, I think we were talking a little bit too about, I said that, you know, you've got a really cool path with all these different things you've done and somewhat unique, but I think so many of us that have gotten this have very similar, different journeys, you know, if that oh, yeah. makes sense. But uh, I want to kind of go back to you when you mentioned uh, reaching out to Mike Hill at Georgetown, and I'm sure knowing him as such a great guy and coach, um, I'm sure he would have taken on volunteers as well. But what? Uh, how did that kind of pan out so did like you just cold call him or like you well, looked might, him up on the internet or <laughs> I, I wish i was that bold my girlfriend at the time played lacrosse for him okay so, i say a little in yeah. kind of yeah perfect had a little in um yeah. so but i didn't have any certifications yeah so i got what i needed it yeah. was uh summer 2012 summer 2012 and yeah had to just go all in on essentials yeah i had to pass yeah. right i'm in this position but I got to do one thing. Yeah. So I had to pass yeah. the CSES test to even get this opportunity. Yeah. So that was uh, Mike's just uh, guidance in that respect. Like, yeah. you know what you're doing, but we, we need to know that you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's huge. It's great for liability. And he's uh, Mike is on our uh, CSCS uh, exam development committee too. So All he's right. he's been helping uh, kind of evaluate and reevaluate the exam and help they determine whether it's best. Uh, you know, supports the job of the strength coach, and then they edit it and they change stuff around. So he's been part of that process. Pretty cool. Um, I like what you said too about never working with swimmers, and then you know having to figure that out because I had a similar experience. The first team I worked with was a rugby team in Norwich University. It's the oldest military school in the country. It's a D3 school in Vermont, uh, and the rugby coach had actually seen me do something. I was doing like a um, class for some little kids, third and fourth graders, that his daughter happened to be in he came up after he pulled me aside and he goes hey you think you could do this kind of stuff like fitness stuff for uh college rugby guys and i had literally never even seen rugby before and i was like yeah, yeah. i'm pretty sure oh, i could yeah. you know and like and then he sat down with me talked to me about sport positions demands of positions injury sites and then i went through the same thing like you're talking about needs analysis all right let's look mm -hmm. at what where are these guys and then developed stuff from that and it was a really cool learning experience and kind of ended up snowballing into a lot of other uh strength and conditioning gigs for me went to dartmouth worked with their rugby team first and same similar to what you were saying like volunteered with football then got hired on then worked with swimming so you know i think the the underlying effect that i hope people are taking away from that yeah. is that like if you want to do this you do what you need to do right yeah. and you 100%. and you you know you have other side hustle jobs if you have to and like i don't think i thought anything of it at the time uh, 
but training football at Dartmouth, you know, at 5.30 a.m. setups and going through there, then going to my other job, a sports performance facility during the day, training people throughout the day and the afternoon, training myself in the middle of the day, going back for rugby at night, you know, yeah. probably till 9 p.m. And, like, I don't know when I think back about it, like, how did I do it? But I don't ever remember thinking, oh, this is so hard or, you know, this is sucks. Like, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> it's the love of coaching, the love of movement and competition. Nothing replaced game day yeah. for me. I loved it as an athlete, loved it as a coach. And then I guess the transition where I don't have to stress about the plays or running the box in lacrosse. I could just be on the sidelines. You know, Wellborn jokes that they're just keeping back coaches. Strength right, coaches are just right. keeping back coaches. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I get the best seat in the house. Right, right. Uh, so I still loved game day and that sideline or even going to the regattas for the girls on the Potomac. Yeah, yeah. DC. Um, yeah, nothing re- replaces that, but that, that's got to be earned. It's not just something given. Uh, right. Because one of the guys I was talking to last night had an intern that I guess called him and asked him for sideline tickets. He's like, no. <laughs> like, this is my career. This yeah. is my, my, my livelihood, and yeah. you just want this to get on the sideline. No, right, right. You're out. Yeah. Yeah, pretty, you know, I think the that if you know it's that same cliche you know that if you love what you do you never work a day in your life but like people who love coaching don't think about all these other things and and i know there's a lot of talk now too in social media and the profession about pay and you know different things and obviously i think that's becoming um better across the board you know we just did a salary survey uh the results are, are out now and, and i think it paints a picture that uh, a little bit better than what people thought yeah it's not great it's still not out, outstanding but i mean when you think about the profession it's still pretty young and if you think about sport coaching and you were going down the sport coaching path sport coaches don't get paid that much either so like nope. it, it, you know we i think we like to stand on our soapbox and sometimes say you know what was me strength and conditioning but like honestly it's the profession of coaching oh, yeah. there's the anomalies you know obviously power five schools basketball there's big money sports where coaches are making outrageous money but coaches in d3 and d2 and other schools they're not making that much money no they're, they're coaching camps during the summer yeah. and they're doing they're on their grind yeah. as well so it's every coach is in a grind. Yeah, and I think that's my message: is that we are not, we are not the only ones. You know, it's no a perf- and it's and it's growing. Like luckily, I think strength and conditioning recognition is growing at a faster rate uh, of the professionalism, the education, the certification, the experience that you need to be hired. And you know that is getting better as more um, becomes aware of it as, as a profession in value. But that yeah. again, I'll put that I'll put that on the individual don't complain saying you're not getting this or that or the profession if you're not doing anything about it right so if a coach doesn't value your your opinion or your take or your guidance for your team or their their team really then how are you communicating it how can you work on your communication to get them to see what you are seeing yeah so there's there I'll take the the coach's side of that anybody that complains I'm going to take uh, tell them to do something about it. Uh, With that respect, you can work on your ability to communicate your message and strength, whatever you want to do with your 
or value. Yeah. Yeah. That position. How do you think, um, kind of going down that coaching pathway as a sport coach helped you as a strength and conditioning coach? This, a, l- a lot of different ways. And I guess I, I think a lot and I write a lot to help organize my thoughts. And I think back a lot to that sport coaching time because what we were doing was, you know, every season started with the fundamentals. I'm doing air quotes for everybody that's not uh, Every season starts with the fundamentals, stick work, footwork, ball drills, all that good stuff. Even, even with rowing technique, fundamentals. So how I began to think of strength and conditioning is we are teaching the fundamentals of the fundamentals. Squatting, stepping, lunging. Uh, vertical push, vertical pull, horizontal push, horizontal pull. These are fundamental movement patterns. So I'm going to be it. in a position to then teach these kids the fundamental movement patterns that are going to put them in a position to accelerate their skill acquisition for their sport coach. So that's how I started to see that. What is the consistency between all sports? One, it's movement through space. And two, it's every season starts with the fundamentals. So how can I go one step lower and put these kids in a position to accelerate that time because in a coach's schedule sport coach's schedule it's like all right two weeks two weeks fundamentals and then we're into our offense or into our defense that two weeks that's not a lot of time but it's go they need to get into their offense so how can i maximize those two weeks accelerate their skill acquisition put them in a position to then pick up the offense faster faster they can pick up the offense then hey man we're into more team play chemistry and flow and by the time game one comes around we're ready so found different ways to do that and the one consistent thing that every sport coach has as well as strength coach is the warm-up every single practice starts with a warm-up every single weight room session starts with a warm-up every single game starts with a warm-up so made our warm-ups all about posture position moving through all three planes of motion and understanding where your body is in space. And it's also general physical preparedness, right? A a dialed in, focused warm-up that's good for the athlete and mind-muscle connection, all these benefits that we talk about, but what's a sport practice warm-up typically look like, right? The old ball coach is walking around, making some jokes, making fun of kids. You get the studs that are just kind of lounging around, half-assing it because, you know, they want to save their energy for practice. No. Let's burn it down, not necessarily burn it down, but let's ex- uh, expend some energy, which then puts us in a position to, you know, be full speed at the start of practice, as well as now I'm one step further in my co- coordination, biomechanical, neuromuscular, all that good stuff. So that took that opportunity at the D3 level. Of, we don't have a lot of weight room time, so we're... Uh, we're going to take full advantage of that. And then at Georgetown, when I was working with the lacrosse team, I have no say in the strength program. Sean Foster, he was there at the time, did an amazing job. He's at American University. But he did give me one thing, the warm-up. Yep. So took it and ran with it and showed him what we were doing. So then he started to, I guess, see the connection and not take advantage of this valuable time. So then it, 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 uh, I have a lot of articles written on powerathletehq.com, specifically on the warm-up and then connecting the warm-up to all these benefits and uh, how to weave it into your sport practice because you get maybe 10 minutes yeah so like i give a bunch of warm-ups for, for coaches that want to dive in and actually see this benefit so cool. that's uh 
it's huge. Yeah. It's it's the one opportunity you got. So if you're complaining about not enough time in the weight room, well, you got your warm-up. Right. What are you doing in your warm-up that's going to – because, you know, even at um, Georgetown, I remember with Foster, he'd get the call down to the weight room saying, ah, they, they're screwing up in practice, made him ran two miles, stay off their legs. <laughs> so, all right, Sean's got to be reactive in this yeah. plan. Well, a lot of our warm-ups, right, or they appear to be stretches, but it's just yeah. moving through space yeah. so we can get the benefit of also recovery yeah. and coordination yeah. and do all these things. So, I mean, we're talking movement. Um, teaching the fundament in our off-season, teaching fundamentals of the fundamentals. And then I guess big message I'm trying to deliver to coaches now is because I guess our squat position and education gets battled a lot. I'm trying to get them to understand that we, power athlete, we're teaching movement, not yeah. movements. Right. right. Our objective is for all of our training to transfer to the field, the court, the yeah. rank. So I don't, you know, we're going to go, I'm not going to go to battle of a one-to-one -one for a squat. No, I need to work on my, my, my hip hinging. That's yeah. what our focus is on because in basketball, right, we're going to catch a rebound. We're going to you know, box out, push our ass back. Right, well, right. Okay, how do we communicate that? So sport coaching helped me see the fundamentals. And then it also now in the weight room, how do I communicate with athletes? It's not through, you know, biomechanical coaching cues. Right. No, it's from a sport perspective cue. Yeah. Again, I need you to push your hips back in your squat right. I reference the box out right. so those right. are sports specific cues however yeah. you want to call it yeah. just you're getting them in the position you want it just doesn't sound as technical as if we were you and I were training right Right. right. It's, um, that's the objective it's just kind of expand, expanding coaches bandwidth yeah. I feel sport coaching really helping with that nice yeah it, it cracks me up uh, when we have a lot of hockey kids and uh when we test vertical jump you know well, when you'll yeah. be like okay ready one you're gonna jump up and hit these veins and like the position that they will start in will be like you know their feet are you know in the sumo stance three feet and i'm like okay imagine that you had to jump for a purpose you know like you're trying to reach as high as you can on this wall you're trying to tip a basketball and then they immediately look in the air and then bring their feet into a jumping position, you know, or the same thing. It's just like the funny things. But I also, like you, I coached basketball, like we were talking before, uh, beforehand. And I, I do think that, you know, knowing that the fundamental principles at every level of basketball that I taught, it, it made perfect sense when I think about strength and conditioning. And I love what you said is the fundamentals of the fundamentals. It's, that's awesome. It's such great stuff. Um, I definitely want to ask you too, and as a similar that I was, a little bit older, what's, you know, 27-year-old intern, you're working with all these younger people, what was that experience like? Because I think a lot of other listeners too that reach out here from time to time are coming out of the military like I did or different things and are, and are interested in, you know... Was it hard? Was it not hard? Is there some advice you'd give, you know, someone a little bit older or, or that set you apart because you were a little bit older? That, that's a great question. Uh, it, I would, it did set me apart a little bit because, you know, Benny gave me the opportunity to kind of man the offensive line. So I guess that he sensed that I had some, whether it was just being older or been in a weight room, a college weight room before, like I didn't care who these kids were kind of thing versus a, a couple of the other younger guys. But also I went in with the, the perspective of this is my experience, right? Every, I am seeing the same thing as this 22-year-old kid next to me, 
but what I'm taking away is what I'm taking away. And I know it's going to be more than he is, or I'm going to make the most out of it. Because on a resume right now, this bullet point looks the same. But no, it doesn't. So I had a clipboard at all, all times, one, to, to take the numbers, and two, I lifted up that sheet, and I had sticky notes just set up so I could write as quick and as many quotes as possible I could to, from Benny or Mad Dog or Donnie, whoever we were talking to, Trey Z, who's now with Sorenex. He was, he was a strength and conditioning coach for the, the track team. So he would come in in the off time, and I would just kind of hang out and observe. And Trey was a nice enough man to kind of point out some things because it was clear we were observing him and his coaching. So it was just it was my experience. I'm going to make the most out of it, and I'm not going to be – I'm not going to be, I guess, have a sense of entitlement. Like I had had my own teams before, but I'm going in and this is not my team. I was mad at first, like I'm going to, I didn't get to coach as much. This was like the, the peak of the Saban rule where only five coaches were allowed to coach. So literally had to stand there or else it's like an NCAA violation, whatever. But uh, I'm going to make the most of this opportunity within the confines of my environment and not complain. And uh, it led to good conversations with Benny. It led to earning respect to Mad Dog and be able to ask him questions. Um, and, you know, just Donnie's door, fortunately, was always open because it wasn't easy. Like, you're working 13 hours a day and nobody freaking talks to you. It sucks. <laughs> but it's your ability to take as much. And you can learn a lot from observing. Right. And, um, you know, I... It, I, that was a crossroads because I did apply to Furman University and they were getting their first Division One lacrosse team. And I made the decision to go down to Texas versus go on with Furman because I thought like it would look better on my resume. But I would have had all the coaching opportunity in the world to speak and communicate with Furman. So I don't know which path was better. Right. You know, I, I, maybe I would still be involved with the sport if I went that way. But take whatever opportunity you can. But... I would suggest whatever speaking opportunity you can get because communication is everything. Yeah, yeah. And I know, you know I mean, my buddy Joe Ken always says, too, you know, it's, it's times are changing a little bit. And back in the day, in those days, you know, there was more opportunity to work with a multitude of sports, right? And now there seems like there's a lot more specialization. So somebody mm -hmm. might just stick with lacrosse that whole time. And, and I think, too, being coming from working with so many different Olympic sports, I think, you you know, you have to learn the sport like you were talking yeah. about earlier. You have to learn more about the sport, about the athletes, about the positions and energy systems, and it makes you a better coach overall. Not that there aren't great coaches who have only, you know, specialized in basketball. I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if you're looking at opportunities and you have options, I mean, I personally think you're going to develop more from getting a... a multiple sport experience where and, you have to work with a lot of different yeah, types. And you may want it, but college, it's not that awesome. High school <laughs> is pretty awesome. Yeah, You, you get set hours, right. probably three, four hours a week, and you're working with every single sport. And yeah. you're working, you get to develop athletes. And you right. get to put them in a position where they truly can't take themselves. I think back to my high school, we had no coaching. Yeah. Then if you could be that X factor, you could yeah. prevent these kids from growing up and saying, man, I wish I had that. Right. Well, no, they had it. Yeah. And you gave them the opportunity to go to the next level and, and you know, where they, they couldn't do it without you. Yeah. You know, they may yeah. not appreciate it, right. but 
you know, when you're watching them play in the next level. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, one of our uh, new interns, we had a new group of interns start last week at NSCA headquarters, and uh, he came in and they ob- observed our 15-year-old hockey team, the 15U um, AAA midget hockey team, and he was like, afterwards, he's like, man, these kids move really well. He's like, they're better some of, than some of the D3 athletes we had at my school that I just came from. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. You know, but yeah. like, but we don't, we do the basics, the fundamentals there. They are very, they've gotten good at doing really basic stuff. And it's super simple, <laughs> right? Yeah, we, we just had a symposium and Jim Kiyabasso was oh, nice. one of our like speakers. Great. We just released his, his YouTube video. Go to Power Athlete YouTube if you want to check out Jim's speech. But one of his highlights that I recall is there's no immediate gratification, right, when it comes to teaching the fundamentals in the weight room and doing all this, but... Versus just going to a hitting coach, and his example was a sports-specific coach. Kid goes to a baseball hitting coach, and then next game he plays goes three for four. It's immediate gratification, right. and it supports it for the parent investing in that. Yeah. When we're talking about movements over that three months, six months, however long you're working with that hockey team, maybe you can film session one, and then yeah. six months later show them yeah. how much they've improved. Maybe that's some gratification, yeah. but you get got to talk you got to develop a way to communicate to the parents to get them to see this this long-term play if yeah. you are a strength and conditioning only coach yeah. and instead of that sports specific skill work it's uh it's not easy but it yeah. can be done yeah that's a great point um you, you touched on it a little bit earlier too but i want to ask you a little bit more put you on the spot maybe uh the podcast you guys have a podcast as well um maybe have uh more traction than we do just saying you guys have been around coming up on what 270 something poaching 300 episodes way bigger than us uh who's been your favorite guest on this tough one put you on the spot scott caulfield (laughs) aside from scott caulfield man let's see we try to be as as eclectic as possible and not stick with coaches. And I don't want to use the relevant uh, recency theory because the guy we talked to yesterday is amazing, Dr. Chris Morris out of Kentucky. Um, one that I suppose challenged me and expanded my bandwidth. We had a Dr. John Howard. So he's a like a love psychologist based in Austin, Texas. All right. So we dove into... I guess uh, fundamentals and basics of relationships. And my objective was to look at the connections between, because he was talking about kind of uh, like couples relationships, but there were parallels between athlete-coach relationships that I was trying to, to pull out and make those connections. So he really, I guess, expanded my perspective by narrowing my focus and trying to think about I guess what he, the principles of relationships he was teaching for couples and do they carry over to an athlete and a coach. So that's John Howard. Um, I'm trying to think. We have a lot to choose from. Yeah, you've had a lot. <laughs> uh, I guess Boyle, Boyle was a fun experience because he, he makes a lot of uh, bold statements and claims. Yeah. And so I guess one or two we didn't necessarily agree with. Like we're all about 
overload and put that heavy barbell on your back because we need to drive some structural adaptation. And that's not, I guess, his most favorite mode of training, those heavy barbell lifts for, you know, high schoolers or those college guys. So then we get them on and actually have a long-form discussion versus, you know, the short-form Twitter or, right, or Instagram right. that, I guess, our, was our limited exposure right. to him. And we were able to kind of discuss and turned out we have a lot more similar philosophies and methodologies than would appear in these bold statements nice. or social claims. So, yeah. yeah, that was awesome to kind of play out the, the discussion and, yeah. dr- again, drive the industry. Seeing one of Brian Mann's um, quotes has been on our episode twice and every deal. But, um, yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah, that's neat. No, it's such a great point, too, because so much can get lost in translation of 120 characters or yeah. whatever someone throws up a 10 15 second instagram video and then people lose their mind like you have such a limited ability to understand that entire thing if you just make a judgment on that no i love it uh and i definitely love the podcast like i was saying um super fun you guys do a great job i love john's humor slash not humor uh yeah if you if you don't listen check them out it's definitely in my queue of library uh, i don't listen to it every week but i do listen to it often um and you, so you guys come out one every week uh, every friday every friday yeah so cool so people that are thinking of it uh if you haven't checked them out check out power athlete podcast their youtube page um this has been awesome where else can people find out more info about yourself about power athlete if they're listening in by my Instagram is probably the best, so it's at McQuilkin, my last name, M-C-Q-U-I-L-K-I-N. And my objective, my goal for 2019 is to yeah, show more movement, teach more movement, not movements, and make the parallels and the connections between the weight room and the field. So we got some kick-ass Soranex rigs, so I'm going to basically use the jammer arms and use those, and then my biggest and we're not sponsored by any of these guys my biggest uh, new favorite piece of equipment is the Intex kind of uh, mod F bar okay. where it is a trap bar with an open yeah, I've seen that. Yep. so you can step and lunge nice. trying to get people out of only that hinge that sagittal plane and show yeah. them the value of the lunge and especially the step up for field court sport athletes so teaching coaches how to teach athletes to move that's my big goal for 2019 and going to use the social medias because it's hot right now. Outstanding. And you're speaking a couple times here tomorrow, so looking forward to uh, seeing those yeah, when they it, come out. It'll be the lunge. One, one session is the lunge and ACL injury prevention through the lunge. So teaching kids the lunge and what coaches to look for that may be biomarkers for injury. Right? We're not going to keep cool. doing that movement over and over again when <laughs> you see that biomarker. And the second one is going to be programmed for the novice athlete. So introduce the concept of a life cycle of an athlete, where if we're working with high school kids, I'm not going to apply the college program. If I'm working with college kids, I'm not going to apply Cam Newton's program, whatever. Um, so just all the, the mistakes that I made as an athlete, you know, maybe I'm just a genetic trash can. Maybe it was the misapplication of my own coaching on me, but uh, try to save some kids out there through some quality education yeah. and you know 
through the opportunity that y'all are giving me. It's awesome. Outstanding. Yeah, looking forward to that. We have, I think we, I see more questions regarding programming for different levels and different sports of athletes than any other uh, area almost across the board. So super excited for tomorrow. Thanks again for being on the show. Uh, looking forward to it and looking forward to hanging out the awesome. next couple of days. Hell yeah. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for listening to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. We truly appreciate your support, and we wouldn't be able to do this without you. So keep on listening. If you enjoyed our episodes, please go write us a review at iTunes or Google Play, wherever you download your episodes from. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get these delivered to you every other week right on time. You don't want to miss the next one. Uh, Also, you can go to NSCA.com and check out the episodes there if you prefer that. And as well, check out our new website and everything that's going on. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.